0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today, we are starting a brand new teaching series that I'm super excited about, and it's called Prepare the way, prepare the way. We're doing a, a study on the life of John the Baptist, not just his life, but his ministry, his, his birth, his death, things that happened in his life. And we're going to pull out some principles of the things that we see happen. And we're going to see how those principles in his life and the stories of his life, how they apply uh, to us so they can apply to our lives in the modern world in 2023 today. and And we're calling it prepare the way because that was really John the Baptist's entire commission from God. His entire job, his mandate from God was to prepare the way for the Messiah, prepare a path for the Messiah to come, for people to receive him. And in Mark chapter 1, he speaks of John the Baptist. He's quoting the prophets, but he's speaking of John the Baptist and it says this. It says, "I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way." Verse 3, "A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. This is speaking of John the Baptist, make straight paths for him. His entire job was to get people ready to receive Jesus as the Messiah. And so we're calling it Prepare the Way because that was really John's mandate. But also we're leading up to Easter here. We're leading up to celebrating Easter and Resurrection Day together. And so we thought, what better way than to do a deep dive into uh, the the life, the ministry, the principles behind uh, John the Baptist and his life. And so today, our title for today's message is this. We're going to be talking about breaking barrenness. How do we break barrenness in our lives you may be sitting there right now watching this or listening listening back to this at a later time and you'd say pastor dan i don't uh, i'm not barren or i don't struggle with that in the natural i don't really know how this is going to relate to me but barrenness has several different meanings several different different uh definitions and so yeah the most popular one the most common known one is the inability to have children but I think another, there's a couple other definitions that apply to a vast majority of people. One of them is this, not producing. Another one is empty of value. And so though you may not struggle with physical barrenness when it comes to reproducing, you may not struggle with that, but maybe there's areas of your life or your life in general where you are carrying around one of those heavy labels of being empty of value or not producing, maybe, or maybe you would say, yeah, I'm I'm unable to have children. That's my struggle right now. And I pray that today's message would have hope for you. Maybe you're sitting there watching this and say, well, my life isn't producing what I want it to. It's not producing what I want it to. Hey, I would pray that today's message will give you hope. Maybe you would say my life feels empty or void of value. Today's message, I pray, will give you hope. Maybe it's not just your life in general, but maybe there's a specific area of your life where you say it's not producing the way it's supposed to produce. Maybe something's not going, doesn't have value the way that you know it could have value, a certain area of your life. And so today we're going to talk about how do we break Barrenness, And so we're going to look at the story of, of John the Baptist. Specifically today, we're going to look at the story of his birth, which was really a miraculous birth. And so I have four points for you. The first point today is this. Stay planted. If we're going to break barrenness in our lives, no matter what it is, we need to choose to stay Planted. Let me show you what I mean by looking at a story from Luke chapter 1. This is a story uh, really mainly focused around John the Baptist, his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's read. In Luke 1, starting in verse 5, it says this In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. I think is how you say it. Yes, Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. Remember that. Observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Some theologians would believe that they were even upwards of in their late 80s, maybe even Zachariah being as, as, as old as 92 ish, whenever um, John the Baptist was born. So they were obviously very old. But I, one thing I want to point out here is that in these days, being barren, not able to have kids, it was seen as a curse or was perceived as a curse from. God. And so though they were righteous people, the community around them would look down on them as if they had been cursed by God, as if God was upset with them, frustrated with them, was punishing them for something, maybe unseen, something, some type of sin in their life. But I think I love that scripture points out that they were righteous, but they were childless. Uh, Their barrenness wasn't a reflection of their spirituality their exterior struggle wasn't the reflection of an interior problem in fact the inability to conceive was the result rather of a a fractured or a fallen world around them it wasn't necessarily that they had done something to bring this punishment on them that the the world would like perceive it that way but i think many times this is a good reminder we got to stop blaming god for stuff that the devil broke We live in a fallen world. We live in a world full of sin and darkness and bad things. And we are fighting against spiritual enemies who want to hold us back. Especially if you are choosing to live righteously, you will face some hardships. But I want to encourage you today when you face hardships, whenever you face struggle, it's not always because you've messed up. Now, if you're knowingly, willingly living in sin, yeah, you're going to invite death and destruction into your life. But when you are choosing to live blameless, above reproach, choosing to live righteously, you can be sure that what you're facing, if it's a hardship, it's not because God is angry with you. You or upset with you. Sometimes you can live righteously but still go through troubles. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He said, In this life you will face trouble. But he says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. We have hope in Jesus even when we face struggles. Let's continue on in verse 8. It says, Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So hundreds of people were praying outside at this moment. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son And you are to call him John. Now let's pause here for a second. Just a little side note. It's probably most likely that he wasn't at this moment praying for a son. This prayer that the angel shows up to give him was most likely a prayer that he had prayed decades before and had been praying for decades in a row but at this point in his life, he knew that he was old, that it was impossible. So it was most likely that he was not in the going into the the temple here, going into uh into the God's presence here, praying for a specific need. In fact, he would have been praying for the nation of Israel. He would have been praying for his people. But it's amazing that the 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 angel shows up and he says, Your prayer has been answer i think it's a great insight into god's perspective so many times we say a prayer And we think, well, if it didn't happen immediately, then it's probably not God's will. But I think many times our prayers span the depth of time. They go farther beyond, even sometimes farther beyond our own lifespan. There are times whenever uh, God promises things uh, to Abraham, but it continues on through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we serve a generational God and our prayers oftentimes extend beyond even our own lifespan. Uh, Verse 17 says this, Uh, he's speaking of John the Baptist now. He says, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There it is again. He's making ready. He's creating a path for the Messiah. So let me remind you, in those days, uh, being barren was a curse. It was seen, at least, as a curse by God. What I love, though, about this is we see Zechariah, we see Elizabeth, and what are they doing? Even though they're going and they're facing this struggle, they're facing um, the, all these people looking down on them in their culture, even through the public humiliation of barrenness, they still chose to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Let me say that again. Even through the public humiliation of barrenness, they still chose to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And they did so, I believe, believing that God would somehow use it to heal the pain that was in their souls. Lord, we're still going to be faithful to do our religious duty, to serve you, even though you you haven't answered this prayer. And Lord, we're just going to believe that somehow you're going to work in it to relieve this this pain that is on the inside, this heartbreak that is on the inside of our souls. Um, I, I think it's a great reminder that if you will remain faithful and if you'll stay planted in the house of the Lord, in the local church, God can use your heartbreak. What I love is that Zachariah, he wasn't trying, he wasn't going here to see angels, right? He wasn't attending some how to see angels conference. And that's when the angel showed up to him. No, he he was just going to do his his priestly duties. Um, And he, he wasn't going so that God would respond to his specific request. He was going because he was serving the Lord in everything that he did. He was simply staying planted and staying connected and serving the Lord. Though this was a great honor for Zechariah, it says that he was chosen by lot. There was upwards of tens of thousands of priests at this time in history. So he was chosen by chance, if you will, but it was a by a lot. I think there was a God-ordained lot, obviously. And so though this was a great honor to serve the Lord at this capacity, to be able to go into and be close to the presence of Almighty God, Could he not have been tempted to say, put yourself in his shoes. Could he not have been tempted to say, why am I still serving faithfully when God hasn't answered my prayers? Imagine this. You're in his shoes. You're a priest. You're serving. You've done all of your religious duty. You're living blameless, above reproach. You're righteous in the sight of God. You are praying and pleading your entire life for God to heal something in your body and it never happens, and it hasn't happened, and now you're well-advanced in years, and here you are, and yet you still have to go, and you have a job to do. Could he not have been justified in being like, why am I still serving this God who's not, who my prayers fall on deaf ears, it feels like. Why would I continue to serve this God who doesn't answer my prayer, who doesn't help me in a time of need? He could have easily, I feel like, made that um, assumption. He could have made that excuse if he wanted to, But it's interesting that he received a word from the Lord while going about his personal responsibility of serving. And this is why it's important to be planted in the house of the Lord. Psalm 92 says it this way. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. They shall still bear fruit in old age. I think it's important for us to remember this verse and staying planted and connected and serving, involved in the local church, which is the house of. The Lord. One of the most important ways to break barrenness is by staying planted in the house of the Lord. This is what he did. He was continuing to serve, continuing to be involved, continuing to do what was asked of him to do. And in doing so, it opened the door for God to work in his life. Imagine if he didn't go that day. Imagine if he didn't, wasn't willing to continue to serve God that day whenever he was called upon guess what? It would have been disastrous because he would have never received what God wanted him to receive. He would never receive the promise of of the answer that he was praying for all of those decades. Um, And I think this is a great lesson for us that nowhere in scripture does it tell us to simply attend the house of the Lord, uh, right? To simply watch others serve the house of the Lord. Uh, It doesn't say for us, scripture doesn't say for us to be half-heartedly committed to the house of the Lord and just attend when it's convenient, you know, once a month, twice a month. That's not being planted in the house of the Lord. To be planted is to be involved. It's to be actively serving. That's why we try to make it as easy as possible to serve on the A-team. It's to be actively giving financially and contributing to the call of God on the local church to spread the gospel everywhere that we go to make an impact in our communities. It's as simple as inviting other people to be a part of it as well. Being planted is being committed to the local church. And I think the principle behind what we see here is this if you will remain faithful and stay planted in a local church, God can and He will use your heartbreak in this season for blessing in the next season. If you'll stay planted, He can use your heartbreak in this season for blessing in the next season. Sometimes, though, we got to see, are we willing to go the distance? Am I willing to stay faithful even when it's been difficult? Because remember, hardships and difficulty doesn't always mean that you've done something wrong, that God is upset with you. That's not it. Sometimes, just like Zachariah and Elizabeth, you can live righteously, but it just means that maybe you have a spiritual enemy who sees a target on your back and he's put a target on your back to keep you from all that God has for you we've got to stay planted the point number two is this receive by faith if i'm going to break barrenness in my life in an area of my life physically whatever it is one great practice is this receive by faith let's continue in our story, story verse uh luke chapter 1 verse 18 zachariah he asked the angel the angel just told him you're gonna have a son he's gonna do amazing things name him john zachariah asked the angel how can i be sure of this i'm an old man And my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time." you know, when we read scripture, oftentimes it's easy to criticize the people that are getting it wrong. It's easy to look at Zachariah and be like, bro, (laughs) shut your mouth. Okay. Just say yes, sir, to the angel. All right. That, that obviously is awestrucking you right now. Like just say yes, sir, and get out of there and just receive what he has for you. Um, It's easy to criticize him, but um, is this not exactly what we do? We do this all the time. We do this on a regular basis. We're tempted at least to do this on a regular basis, right? Uh, We'll say, God, I know that you're asking me to take a step of faith, but how can I be sure that I won't fail? How can I be sure. God, I know you want me to walk that out. You're prompting me to go do that. But how can I be sure that it's actually you that's prompting me to pursue that career or to, to go to that college, to, to go to that, try that, uh, that, that job site or to go to that place? How can I be sure that it's you and not just me thinking it up? How can I be sure? God, I know that your word says to trust you with my finances through tithing, but how can I know for sure that I won't get behind on my bills. How can I know for sure? You see, oftentimes we do the same thing that Zachariah does. Lord, I I read your word. I heard your word at church. You know, through a message, through a pastor, through somebody. I heard your word. I read your word. But how can I know for sure that when I apply it to my life, that things will actually change? We've all had these thoughts. How can I be sure? And so I think it's it's it's. We got to make sure and stop for a second and learn from Zechariah and say, no, I need to train myself to receive by faith, receive by faith. You know, I think one of the other reasons, though, that Zachariah probably was a little bit hesitant. It isn't that he doesn't want to believe. I think he wants to believe. I think obviously he was a righteous person. He had the faith to believe. But I think sometimes maybe in this situation, it was simply that he feels It must be too good to be true. And he's probably protecting himself from disappointment by not setting his expectations too high. Let me read that last part again. I think he wants to believe, but I I think it's simply that he feels that it might be too good to be true. And he's probably protecting himself from disappointment by not setting his expectations too high. Now, can you relate to that? I know I can. I know there's been things in my life and and for Leslie and I, as we've been praying for, fighting for, spiritually going to battle for. And I think many times you can almost be faced with the temptation to not even pray, not even expect, not even be hopeful that God will answer your prayer. Because you've been praying for years and years and years and you almost are hesitant to stop. You're almost tempted to stop and stop praying, stop believing because you don't want to be disappointed you don't want to be disappointed. I can relate to that. I'm sure you can relate to that. But I think many times when we do that, we rob ourselves of many miracles by having the same attitude as Zechariah. When we don't receive God's promises by faith, we rob ourselves from many miracles. And so the question is today, have you stopped praying because you didn't want to face disappointment again? Maybe you were heartbroken. Maybe you, you, the last time it didn't work out, you faced just, just such depression and anxiety and things that came after you in the spiritual realm. And maybe you just think to yourself, I don't know if I have the strength to do it. So I don't even want to face the disappointment again. I feel like God told me to tell you today, keep praying. Keep receiving God's promises by faith. You may not see it necessarily in the natural just yet, but it doesn't mean that God's not doing something in the spiritual realm on your behalf. Zacharias' unbelief, it did not make God take back his promise. It just kept Zacharias from enjoying it. Think about that. Even though Zacharias responded with unbelief, God didn't take back his promise. Well, you don't have enough faith. I'm taking back the John, from you, your your future son, from you. That wasn't it. It just kept it kept um, Zacharias from enjoying it. When we do not believe God's promises in our lives, we don't. We do not necessarily. Um, it doesn't necessarily destroy the promise, but we do destroy our ability to enjoy the promise. Uh, think about it for a second. Zacharias, he's old. He's been praying for a son for all of these years. All of these years. All this time. And now that there's a promise, he just experienced uh, an angel from heaven who stands in the presence of God. And now... He can't even speak to go share with other people what just happened. Imagine how badly he wanted to tell his friends, his family, his wife. Has anything good ever happened to you? You I know one time when I was working at a job, I got a really big pay raise, super unexpected. But I was so excited about what happened. The first thing I did when I walked out of that meeting is I got on my phone and I called Leslie and I said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I just got a pay raise for this amount. I was so excited to tell her. And imagine how much more so that was just a a pay raise that i wasn't even expecting how much more for a prayer that you've been praying for for decades and decades when god says finally it's going to happen how badly you would want to tell your spouse or a friend or a family member this is where he is and guess what he's not able to enjoy that moment why because his unbelief robbed him of it and i think we can take a hint from this story Uh, sometimes it's good to stop asking questions Stop asking questions. When you try to, you'll go in circles and circles and circles, round and round, spin your tires, and you'll never get the answer maybe that you're seeking for because many times the question why will kill your faith. Lord, why is this happening? Why is this taking so long, Lord? Why haven't you shown up yet? Lord? Why, why are you allowing this to take place in my life? We get focused on the why rather than staying focused on our Savior, our Father in heaven, who is faithful and who is faithful to take care of us to provide every need. That question why it will kill your faith. Sometimes you have to realize that choosing not to ask why, is an incredible faith move. Lord, I'm going to have the faith to not ask why, because I realize that I don't know, and I won't have that answer on this side of heaven. But this story and the principle behind this story, it shows us that when you use words of unbelief instead of words of faith, it'll kill your ability to speak into the next season. God wants you to speak life into your, the next season of your life. He wants you to speak life into your family. That's what Proverbs says. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. We can choose to align our words with God's word and speak life over our kids, over our family, over our marriage, over our, our work, whatever it may be. We can choose to speak life. But when you respond to God in unbelief and you choose words of unbelief, It'll kill your ability to speak life into the next season. That's what happened with Zechariah. You will be silent. He says, you'll be silent until John, your son, is born because unbelief has perversed your mouth. Don't allow unbelief to come out of your mouth. Receive by faith. And then this is why point number three is this. Control your confession. If you're going to break barrenness in your life, in whatever area that might be, you need to control your Confession. Uh, you've heard it said that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. If you grew up with a- siblings at all, or maybe cousins, or maybe, maybe just being at school, uh, you've probably heard that saying maybe maybe many times in your life. Hey, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I think that let's this, let this story be a reminder to us that in many cases, if you don't have anything faith-filled to say it's best to not say anything at all. Let the story be a reminder. If you don't have anything faith-filled to say, it's probably best to not say anything at all because it might hinder something in the next season. Let's continue in our story. Verse 21, it says this, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but we remained unable to speak. So Zechariah, Just received the best news of his life, but his unbelief robbed him of being able to declare it to others. We just talked about that. Man, what a tough situation. But his unbelief kept him from enjoying the fulfillment of that moment, being able to go to his wife, Elizabeth, and say, hey, guess what just happened? Obviously, he could write things down and things like that. But how much more fulfilling to be able to declare it and say, look what God is going to do and is doing in my, uh, in my life, in our life. Um, because he couldn't see, though, because he couldn't see the miracle in the natural Lord, how is this going to happen? How how can I be sure that this is really going to take place? We're really old. Because he couldn't see it in the natural. He couldn't touch it, hold it, feel it. He couldn't see it in the natural. He lost his ability to prophesy into the next season of his life. He lost the ability to speak life. But we got to remind ourselves when we receive by faith that many times we have to control our tongue, control our confession, because we serve a God who isn't bound by the, the limits of this world. He's not bound by Possible things and impossible things he can do the impossible in fact that's why romans 4 says this romans 4 17 says god who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did he calls those things which do not exist as though they did the world will tell you in fact i would say even many modern churches will tell you that that is a foolish thing to do don't use your faith to speak life over a situation. Don't use your faith to call things that do not exist as though they did. But faith looks at nothing. Scripture shows us this time and time again. Faith looks at nothing and declares that something is stirring, that something can happen. It can look at nothing and say, you know what? I believe that that is barren. This part of my life is barren right now, but I'm going to speak life over it. I'm going to speak God's word over it and believe that it can change for the good, that it can change and be aligned with God's will for my life. Unbelief though does the opposite. Unbelief looks at something God is doing and it declares that it is nothing. Unbelief looks at something that God is doing. God is beginning to heal your body, work in your life, work in your marriage, bring restoration to that relationship. But unbelief will say, yeah, but it's probably not going to last. Yeah, but it's probably eventually going to go back to the way it was. Yeah, but it's probably going to fail. Rather than faith, which calls things that are not as though they they do exist, what faith does, it says, yeah, you've got that diagnosis but we're going to call it healed by the stripes of Jesus. We're going to speak. We're going to go to battle. It's going to take some work. It's not just I I say scripture one time and I don't have to do anything else. No, we're going to go to work to see the promises fulfilled. I've got to control my confession. And finally, point number four is this. Faithful obedience breaks barrenness. Faithful obedience breaks barrenness. So what do we do? We stay planted. We receive by faith, we control our confession, and then we remind ourselves that we have a part to play. Faithful obedience breaks barrenness. I'm not talking about obeying God one time and expecting my whole life to change. No, there is something to be said about a lifetime of faithful obedience through good times, through tough times, through heartache, through tears, through joy, faithful obedience time and time again. That is the thing that will break barrenness. Let's look at it. Let's continue our story. Luke chapter one, verse 24. It says, after this, His wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She remained uh, basically alone to seek God and to praise God and to to ponder on the things that God was doing in her life. In verse 25, it says, "The Lord," she said, "The Lord has done this for me." She said, "In these days, He has shown His favor, and she has taken away my disgrace among the people. Finally." this cultural pressure on me, the looking down on me for being barren, for being childless is being lifted. Look what the Lord is doing in my life. But the key to this is looking at the first two words of verse 24. It says, after this, after this, this is a reminder to us today of this. Every word from God requires work from you. Let me say it again. Every word from God requires work from you. It requires partnership from you. Think about it. John the Baptist, um, he wasn't a virgin birth. Okay, that was only the Messiah, only Jesus. He was not uh, a virgin birth. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they still had a part to play. They still had to faithfully do their part to receive the promises of God. And I want to remind you that we can't afford to be passively idle when we are needing God to move in our life. I can't afford to be on the sideline. And not be planted in the local church. I can't afford to not control my confession. I can't afford to just be uh, wondering how God is going to work in my life. No, I need to be engaged in what God is doing. I can't afford to be passively idle when I need God to show up in my life. Every word from God requires work from you. Let's go to verse, I'm gonna skip all the way down to Luke 1 to verse 57. This is the end of the story here. It says this. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, this was their response. There was no one among your relatives who has that name in this time. Let me stop here for a second. In this time, the tradition was to take the name specifically of the father or of a family name. And so the people around them, once again, the cultural or religious pressure was to, uh, no, that's not how this works. You must follow these rules. So here's what happens in verse 62. Then they made signs to his father, Zechariah, to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. That was the fulfillment of the promise. Now let's, let's talk about this for a second as I wrap up. Zacharias' response is in total faith. Think about where he came. He came from hearing the word from God and saying, how can I be sure? Unbelief. To now, he responds in total faith. He didn't respond with, well, I think his name should be John. That's not what he said. That's not what he wrote. He wrote, his name is John. For Zacharias, this was recognition of a fact, not a suggestion. He wasn't suggesting to the people that we're going to name him John. He was saying, this is a fact, a promise from God. The details of this promise, he said his name will be John. His name is John. He responds in total faith. And as soon as Zechariah comes into agreement with the word God has spoken, then his tongue is loosed. And he begins to praise God. And I think that's something that's so good for us to remember. If you're facing something in your life that seems barren, that seems void, that is lacking uh, um, purpose or it's not producing, I love that the immediate reaction of Zachariah and his ability to, to, to speak, it reveals the condition of his heart. His, his immediate reaction of his ability to speak, it reveals the condition of his heart. Um, he didn't allow time to make him bitter towards God, which can be so easily the case when you're standing in faith, but you don't see the breakthrough. When you're believing for an area of your life to begin producing life, producing things, and it's not happening, it can be easy or it can be a temptation to be bitter towards God. God, what is taking so long? Instead, Zechariah was ready to praise God when the miracle took place place. The first words that he celebrated with were not, hey, I can talk. Look at me. It was praise God for answering our prayer. Praise God for breaking barrenness in our lives. And that's a principle that we can all learn from. That though time has passed Don't let time make your heart bitter towards God. Continue to stay planted. Continue to be focused on God. Continue to control your confession. Be faithful in your obedience in the good times and the bad times. And faithful obedience breaks barrenness in our lives. He said, look what happened. Look how God, he's praising God. And that's what it was. So even though he had failed before, God gave Zachariah a second chance at faith. And that's what I love. He gives the same to us today. He gives Zacharias a second chance. Hey, you have a chance. Is his name John? Or are you going to second guess the word of the Lord again? He says, no, his name is John. Don't allow time past to make you bitter towards God. This shows us, and I love the principles behind this. If we want to break barrenness in our lives, we better start walking in faithful obedience or continuing to walk in faithful obedience to God's word. And one of the easiest ways, one of the best places to start is simply by aligning our words with God's word. That's a simple thing that I can do every day. Rather than speaking discouragement, rather than speaking uh, depressing thoughts, um, uh, thoughts that tear, tear my life down, tear my family down, tear my spouse down, my situation down, what am I allowing to come out of my mouth? Sometimes faithful obedience, and the best place to start faithful obedience is by aligning my words with God's Word. And when I do that, I really do open the door for God to work in our lives. You know, as I wrap up, I, I, I teach on this topic. And these are the topics that if you've never faced times of barrenness in areas of your life, that it can be easy to preach a message and, and give out God's Word. But sometimes I want to let you know that it is difficult To preach these types of messages when you yourself are facing things. And I know I've shared a little bit about this, but my wife, Leslie and I, for seven years, we've, we've had an area of our life that feels barren. That feels like it's not producing what we want it to, what we see in God's word. And so we're praying and we're standing and we're believing. And I want you to know one of the best tricks of the devil is that he wants you to feel isolated that you're alone there's something wrong with you and maybe you feel like elizabeth like zachariah that the culture even religious people around you are looking down on you for something in your life that's not producing that's that seems barren i want to remind you that you're not alone and i pray that through this message that you would find hope you would see god's perspective and that you would have hope for tomorrow and hope for a future of fruitfulness whatever area it might be. Maybe it is to have kids or to have more kids in your life. Maybe it's physical when it comes to barrenness. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be fruitful and you would multiply. I pray that maybe there's a situation at work in your life where you are a void and you're lacking purpose and you don't know what to do and it feels barren. It feels like it's not producing. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that barrenness would be broken today, right now, in Jesus' name, in your life. And as we see from the story and the principle of John the Baptist's birth, we can have access to the goodness of God. How do we break barrenness? Remember, uh, we got to stay planted. It's an easy thing to do. Stay planted. The promise of being planted in the house of the Lord is fruitfulness. Stay planted in the house of the Lord. Number two is receive by faith. Don't let disappointments hinder you from believing that God is who he says he is. Receive it by faith. Don't question it. Don't wear yourself out with why questions. Just receive it by faith. Take it and believe it and stand on it and speak it, which is number three, control your confession. If you don't have anything faith filled to say, then maybe don't say anything at all. Might just be best. Number four, Faithful obedience breaks barrenness. Every word from God requires work from you. What's your part? Continue to do your part. Be faithful in your obedience and trust that God will do his part as you partner with him to see his best for you in this life. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I become coming for you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I just lift up Uh, my church family to you today. Lord, I pray for anyone listening to this message right now, watching this message right now. Lord, anyone that is facing uh, something that feels barren in their life. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you touch their life right now in Jesus' name. Lord, would you touch their body if they need it? They need healing in Jesus' name. Would you just renew things, reset things in their bodies right now to receive and to produce everything that you've designed them to do, that your will would be done in their body as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray for situations right now that feel barren in people's lives. Lord, I pray that those situations would begin to change and they would begin to produce much fruit for your glory, Lord. I pray that the season of barrenness would be broken right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for anyone's life, Lord, that feels like it's void of purpose. Lord, through the power of Your Holy Spirit, would You just breathe and speak purpose to people right now in Jesus' name that need it? We give them a word for this year, give them a word for this season, Lord, that they can receive from You. And they would know that You have purpose for them, You have a design for them, You have a plan for them, and You have good things for them, Lord. That it's not a time to call it quits, it's not a time to hang it up, but it's a time to continue to move forward in faith, in agreement, and in partnership with You. And God, I thank You that as we do what Your Word says, we See it all through scripture, that faithful obedience to your word, it produces good things in our lives. And today, that's our heart's desire. Holy Spirit, as our helper, would you help us this week, obey God's word, obey your word so we can see all that you have for us and experience it, Lord. We're going to give you the the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.